0: Hello, my name is Roderick Caesar III, and I'm the senior pastor of Bethel Gospel Tabernacle. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I hope that you are encouraged, challenged, and inspired by this message. Most of all, I pray that you would hear from God today and that your faith would be strengthened. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the Word. God bless. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verses 12 through 16 is what we're going to be reading today. John chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Jesus says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. As Moses is lifted up, excuse me, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The beautiful thing about this text is it shows that God loves the world so much. The beautiful thing about this text is it shows that uh, Jesus uh, uh, loves man enough to have conversation and dialogue with us. And what we realize here when we take a closer look is that Jesus is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a religious leader at the time, and Jesus' moves, the way Jesus handles himself, intrigues him. So he strikes up a conversation with Jesus, and it takes us to where we're taking our text. But before we dive in, I just want to say a prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you're moving and what you're doing. And I pray that you would be glorified in all things, in all that we say, all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen amen and amen the title of today's message is he is exalted he is exalted here at bethel gospel tabernacle uh our our mission statement is we we want to exalt jesus we want to equip his people and we want to expand his kingdom and what we're doing since we're we're now in this theme of going higher in god uh, i believe that god wants us to know first and foremost look He is exalted. How is he exalted in our lives? How is he exalted in what we're doing? How is the Lord being exalted? And so he's speaking with this religious leader named Nicodemus. Nicodemus approaches him by night to have a conversation with him, to ask him questions about the scriptures and ask him why he does the things he does and how does he go about moving the things he does. He intrigues Nicodemus and he realizes that something in Jesus is different than something in himself. The way Jesus operates, the way Jesus handles himself, the way Jesus handles the text, the way Jesus does miracles and all of these different things is different from Nicodemus' understanding of the text. And so he asked Jesus questions and he dialogues with Jesus and Jesus explains to him things about the kingdom of God and in this dialogue it becomes arguably one of the most important chapters in the book of John with one of the most uh, well-known verses in scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life and what i want us to do is look at what Jesus says he says something here that i want us that 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 is linked with this concept and understanding of going higher in verse 14 and 14 and 15 Jesus says as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now to truly understand this, understand what this means, understand uh, uh, what Jesus is saying here, we have to go back in the text. And what we have to understand when we realize certain New Testament texts is a lot of these authors and, and people that are speaking, they are rooted, they are grounded, they are molded by what they read and what they studied in the Old Testament. And Jesus is no different. He realizes that some of the scriptures that were Uh, written were written about him. They pointed to him and his fulfillment on Calvary's cross and what would take place and him being the sacrificial lamb, him being the son of man. And so he says this, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the son of man must be exalted. So the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So let's take a look at what is this example? What is this story that Jesus is using to help Nicodemus understand what must take place in Jesus's life? It comes from the book of Numbers chapter 21, and we realize in Numbers 21, it says in verse four, uh, that from Mount Hor, the Israelites set out by way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. The people became, became impatient on the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food. There's no water. We loathe this worthless food. You ever been in a situation where you complain and you have no right to complain? You have no reason to complain, but yet you're finding stuff to complain about. We realize that Israel is saying we should have died in Egypt We should have been left in Egypt. Why would you even bring us out to put us in this wilderness situation, to put us uh, in this situation where there's scarcity of food or scarcity of water? They're complaining and groaning and making Moses want to cover his ears and they're complaining. But now we see God is fed up too. And when God is fed up, that's when you know you have a real problem. When God runs out of patience, that's when you know you have a real problem. When God wants to, 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 to discipline, that's when you know you have a real problem. In verse 6, it says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. The same fiery serpents that bit the people, you need to make one and and you set it on this pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Set the pole high so that when everyone looks and they see it, they shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. What we realize here is that Israel was complaining. Israel was groaning. Israel was saying, why why us, oh God? Why does this have to happen? Why are we here? You made a mistake by taking us out of Egypt. You made a mistake by bringing us into this wilderness. God, why are we here? God got frustrated. God got fed up. God wanted to teach them a lesson and, 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 and let them know that who was in control here. And so as a result of their sin... They get bit by these snakes and they're dying from the effects of the venom. As a result of their sin, they're bitten and dying because of the effects of the poison. And in the same way, we too were bitten by sin. We too were bitten when Adam and Eve took the bite of the fruit and the effects of sin have been ravaging uh, all throughout creation. We're bitten and dying by the effects of sin. But God says you must look and live. But God says in order to live, you must look Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why Jesus says, I must be lifted up. As Moses put this serpent on this staff and and lifted it up, and people looked, I too must be lifted up. You see, the problem sometimes with us is we want to live our own lives, we want to be lifted up in our own lives, but what or who are we looking to? Are we looking to our own devices? Are we looking to our own advice? Are we looking to the way that seems right to a man? Are we trying to celebrate more life or live a higher life based on the world's moral code? It's impossible. What God calls us to do is to look to him and live. As the serpent was lifted up, Jesus was lifted up. As the serpent was lifted up, Jesus was lifted up. And now when Jesus says lifted up, it's another way... It's another way to say crucified. Jesus says, look, just as the serpent was lifted up on the staff and everyone that looked to him was now saved, I too must be lifted up. I must be spread wide. I must be laid bare. I must be lifted up for all to see. And when I am lifted up, that's when things will change. When people look to me, that's when things will shift. When I am lifted up or crucified, that's when people can be called higher. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So Paul is saying, look, Jesus had no sin, but yet God caused him to be sin so that we who are sinful, we who are born in sin and shaped in iniquity could now be called the righteousness of God by looking to the one that is not sin but was made sin, we can now be changed. We have to look to the lifted Savior and be changed. We have to look to the lifted Savior and be free. We have to look to the lifted Savior and be made new. We have to look to the lifted Savior and be called higher. Jesus had to be lifted up. He had to be lifted high. He had to hang on the cross high for all to see. If I am lifted up or crucified, those that look to me will see the way the truth the life and come to salvation this had to be accomplished for creation to have victory this had to be accomplished jesus had to do this so that something greater than all he did in his earthly ministry can be accomplished if jesus did everything in his earthly ministry correct but did not follow through with crucifixion all would be for naught it would all be for nothing. It would all be a, a, a waste of time. Because crucifixion, the, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what everything is, is founded on, is what everything is, 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 is hinged upon that. And so what we have to understand is it was this crucifixion, it was this moment, it was these choices, it was him following through uh, the last leg of his earthly ministry. And laying down his life, Jesus said to himself, I must lay down my life. I must be submitted to the will of the Father. And as a result, we now, who were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, can be called the righteousness of God. Because Jesus Christ laid his his life down and was lifted up, we too can be lifted up as God's righteousness. Because Jesus Christ laid his life down. And he was lifted up. We too can be lifted up and displayed as God's righteousness. He is exalted through our lives when we live as examples. He is exalted through our lives when we live as living epistles. He is exalted through our lives when we live as witnesses of the true and living God. Jesus is exalted through our lives when we live as followers of the way believers committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. See, that sounds great, but many of us aren't willing to lay down our lives in public or in private so that God can be glorified, so that God can be seen. Because somehow we get it confused and we think, we think that it's all about us, but it's actually all about Him. It's about Him being lifted up in our lives, Him being exalted in our lives so that He can be seen. Jesus was on the cross to die jesus was on the cross to die not to push his agenda not to feed his feelings not to rain fire and brimstone down on those who wronged him throughout his life not to call the angels down to take him down from the cross and flex his muscle and show his power no no, no. he was on the cross to die He was on the cross to fulfill the purpose of the Father so that God's purpose could be accomplished. And in the same way, in our lives, when we are given exposure, when we are lifted up, when we are trusted with responsibility, when we are given an opportunity to accomplish something, we must do all things to the glory of God so that his will can be accomplished and he can be exalted through our decisions, through our choices. We need to understand that it's important, saints of God, that we don't just push our agenda, don't just push our name. We need to understand that we exalt Jesus Christ. Exalt Him over your name. Exalt Him over your feelings. Exalt Him over your brand. Exalt Him over your advice. Exalt Him over your opinions. Exalt Him. Now, I'm not saying all those things are bad. Some of those things may be great. You may have a wonderful name. You may feel great. You may have a good brand that you're trying to push, a good business you're trying to push. You may have sound advice. You may have sound opinions. But at the end of the day, it is so that Christ can be glorified. And he can get the honor. He can get the glory. He can get the praise. We exalt Jesus. We exalt Jesus, we exalt Jesus, we exalt Jesus, and I know that it's not easy, I know that it's not simple, I know that it's easier said than done, but what we have to understand is that we have to trust in God, and trust that God is, that, that God took Jesus through death through burial, and through resurrection. And in the same way, we must trust God with our lives. We must trust this process of being lifted up. The process of being lifted up. says what? He who knew no sin became sin so we could be the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God does not remain hidden. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. We are exposed, we are exalted, we are given a platform, we are given exposure, we are given uh, influence so that God can be glorified. But lifting him up, what we must never forget is that lifting him up means we must lay our lives down. Lifting him up, exalting Jesus, means we must lay our lives down. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes also, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new, the new has come. So I don't do the things that I used to do. I don't go the places I used to go. I don't speak the way I used to speak. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't lead the life I used to lead because I am not leading. My life is not my own. Paul writes again, I was bought with a price. He says, do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The Holy Trinity is right there in those sentences. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you. It's a gift from God the Father. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, the, the precious blood of jesus christ the son of god that died and laid his life down and was lifted high so that we could be purchased back from sin and so that we could be brought into righteousness and good relationship and be lifted up so that god could be glorified our lives are not our own we were bought with a price so honor god with our lives honor god with our bodies jesus says this he says i must go higher i must be lifted up he says this so that we can say I must go higher. I must lift him up. It's so important, saints of God, that we don't take this as our own, take this on our own to think that it's all about us, to think that it's all about the moves we make, to think it's all about the connections we make, the businesses we build, the, 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 our name flashing in lights. It's not about us, saints of God. Yes, we play a pivotal role in the story, Yes, we play an important part to actually make it happen and and come to life. Yes, we are vessels that God is using, but at the end of the day, it's about him. It's about his name. It's about his glory. It's about Jesus Christ, the son of God, and being sure that we exalt him and lift him up in all things. Exalting Jesus, once again, is easier said than done. In order to exalt Jesus, it takes, number one, we have to trust in God. Trust in God. There's no way to exalt God unless we trust him. Last week, we spoke about when our heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It takes faith. It takes obedience to be on this rock and stay on this rock that is higher than we are. So what this means is we are now trusting in a plan that is higher than we are. We are trusting in a God that is higher than we are. The problem is, we like to understand it. We like to, 1 plus 1 equals 2, and if I move this around, this makes sense. This adds up. This is perfect. But sometimes, what if God leads you down a path that you can't quite wrap your mind around? What if God leads you down a path? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how do I not fear evil? Why? Because God is with me. The only way that's going to happen is if we trust in God and trust in his goodness and trust in his mercy and trust in his compassion and trust in his sovereignty. We need to trust God. In these times of uncertainty, we need to trust in God. In these times of wondering what's going to happen next, we need to trust in God. In this time of anger, in this time of sorrow, we need to trust in God. In this time of of what's going to happen next year, how are things going to look? In this time of pandemic, we need to trust in God. Trusting in God means that sometimes we're going to have to take a road that we're uncomfortable with. Sometimes we're going to have to take a road that we maybe don't want to go down. Jesus trusted the Father. And as a result, he was exalted. He trusted the Father. That's why he submitted to his will. Jesus says, look, yo, you don't see me doing anything unless you see the Father doing it. You don't see me doing anything unless you see the Father doing it. I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. That is trust. I'm trusting in the mission. I'm trusting in the person that sent me. I'm trusting in the one that sent me. He's submitting to the will of God. That's what we should do as well. James four says, "Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." Many of us we've been trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. We've been trying to resist and stay strong in the face of temptation, but we maybe have the, the steps out of order. We're trying to resist the devil without submitting first to the plan of God. We're trying to submit. Excuse me. We're trying to yes resist the devil without submitting first to the plan of God. We're trying to uh, uh, resist the devil without first yielding to God's plan. We're trying to make the devil flee by quoting scriptures, yet we're living in rebellion. We're trying to make the devil flee by uh, 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 doing something that we've seen done, but not yet lived out because we're not submitting to God. Submit yourselves to God. Repent. Draw near to the feet of God. Draw near to the throne of God. Pick up your cross and follow. Submit to God. Resist the devil and then he will flee. Jesus had the utmost trust in his father. He submitted to God. When the enemy came in like a flood against him and tempted him to turn the stones into bread and tempted him to throw himself off of the tall mountain and, and tempted him to kneel himself in, uh, before the enemy and worship him, Jesus met it with scripture each and every time. It is written, it is written, it is written. And the enemy fled until the appointed time. And we see that was able to transpire, that was able to happen because Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus was submitted to the will of God, to the way that God would have him to go. And we too must be submitted. Jesus had trust in his Father. The same way Isaac went to that mountaintop Understanding that, okay, God gave my dad some weird instructions, but God, there's, we have the wood for the, for the, for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? He trusted his father, and Abraham says, God, God is going to provide the, the lamb's son. And he trusts his father up until that last moment as Abraham is raising his knife to sacrifice his son. The angel says, stop, Now we see that you can be trusted. We see that you've passed this test. And in the same way, we see as Isaac trusted Abraham, Jesus trusted God, the Father. He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. And in the same way, we too must trust God. We too must trust God's plan. We too must follow God's will, follow God's way, even if it's different from ours. So that's how we exalt God. We exalt God, exalt Jesus by following God and trusting God. The second thing we do, We follow God, we trust God, and then we also are what? We're thinking of others. We think of others, we love others. It's not about us. Yes, we are an important part of the story, but we have to understand, for God so loved the world, the creation, that he gave his only son, that whoever will believe in him, that's an open invitation. Will not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world. He was thinking of others. And then when he talks about what the greatest commandment is, when he's asked by the religious leaders, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second is, is, is great as well. You must love your neighbor as yourself. We need to love others enough to want to show them the way out. We need to love others enough to call them out when you see them walking in sin. We need to love others enough to be able to pray with them in difficult times. We need to love others enough, and or, enough to bear one another's burdens, thus fulfilling the law of Christ. We need to love one another enough so that when it gets difficult, they know they have someone to run to. Many of us, we are professionals at this Lone Ranger Christianity, and it's only gotten us but so far, but we don't realize is we all need somebody to lean on. What we don't realize is we all need someone to run to. We all need individuals to share and do life with. And what's so important is that God calls us to love others. God didn't say, oh, you know, just love me, just love God, that's it. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love others, but also love yourself, but also love others. But love yourself, but love others. And it's so important for us to understand, yes, we must love ourselves. Yes, self-care is important, but not at the, the, the yes, self-care is important, but it doesn't come at the cost of completely ostracizing and completely closing every single person out of your life. We must love people. We must love people because God loves people and he calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. And one of the most loving things that we can do is be a great example of Jesus Christ here on the earth. One of the most loving things we can do is show someone that God is a forgiving God by forgiving them. One of the most loving things we can do is show someone that God is a loving God by loving them. One of the most loving things we can do is show someone that God is a God of grace by extending grace. It's so important for us, people of God. It's so important for us, saints of God, to understand that while, yes, uh, we are important in the story, it's not only about us. That while we are important in the story, we must think of others and love others. Third and finally, we must stay the course. First thing we must do is trust God. Second thing we must do is love others. Third thing we must do is stay the course. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus had to stay the course. Jesus had to stay the course. He had to remain strong when when trials came. He had to remain strong when he could have called 10,000 angels to free him from the clutches of death. He had to remain strong and stay the course. That looks like us remaining strong when trials come. That looks like us not hesitating and running to grace if and when we may fall or falter. That looks like us plugging into community and realizing we can't do this alone and by ourselves. That looks like us reading our word and drawing closer to God and drawing nearer to the true and living God. That looks like us seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. We must stay the course, saints of God, because distractions will come. The enemy loves to distract us. The enemy loves to... to uh, uh, put something in our path to, to get us off the path, to have us discouraged. If he, can't, uh, 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 if he can't deter you, he'll distract you. If he can't knock you off completely, he'll, he'll distract you and tie you up. We must stay the course, saints of God. We must understand and call a spade a spade and know when we're being distracted and know when the enemy's coming in and, and being crafty and not give the enemy a foothold to, to trip us up. That's how we exalt Jesus in our lives, by staying the course. That's how we exalt Jesus in our lives, by staying committed. That's how we exalt Jesus in our lives, by not giving up when it gets difficult, by not giving up when distractions come our way, by not giving up when, uh, something that looks more appealing comes our way, by not giving up when our flesh is tempted, by not giving up when we're being pulled every which direction, by not giving up. That's how we stay the course. We stay the course by asking for help, And saying, look, I need some help. I need some assistance. That's how we stay the course, saints of God. That's how we exalt Jesus in our lives. We have to understand that it's a call to exalt Jesus. A call to growth. A call to sacrifice. And a call to trust. A call to live higher. And with God's help, it's a call that can be accomplished. Let's go higher today and let's give God praise with our lives. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your people. I thank you for who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do and how you've called us to live. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. I pray, O oh Lord, that as this word has gone forth, Father, that you would get the glory out of it. That you would get the glory, you would get the honor, you would get the praise. That those who don't know you would come to know you. And that those who are questioning how to exalt you, how to lift you up, would be able to do that as a result of this message. We thank you and we praise you. We give you glory for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're here, you've heard this message and you realize you're listening, you say, hey, I don't know Jesus. I want a relationship with him, but I do not know where to start. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a number flash across the screen. If you've accepted Jesus, you can text SAVED to this number. I'm just going to say a prayer with you. Dear God, I thank you for who you are, for who you've called us to be, for how you've called us to live. I thank you, Father, for those that may not know you. I pray that today they would come to know you. Today they would come to have an understanding of who you are as God, who you are as Savior, who you are as Lord. Be with them and strengthen them today. We thank you. We won't fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you with my prayer, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hello again. It's Pastor Roderick, and I hope that you were blessed by this message. If so, please subscribe to our podcast for more updates and to stay current with what God is doing in our ministry. You can also partner with us and give to the ministry by texting BGTFI to 77977. That's BGTFI to 77977. Visit our website at bgtfi.us for more information. Thanks and God bless.